Season 2, episode 24 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Nikki from Jamsburg. Hello, everyone. And we've got back for the first time this, well, first time since the beginning of the season, Merrick, Merrick Wells from Zaragoza. Buenos dias a todos. Hi, Merrick, welcome back. Um, Thank you very much. Right, so it's just gone quarter past three, Sunday. Um, we're second in the table. Can you fucking believe it? Second in the table. <laughs> with the best goal difference, I might add. With the best goal difference. So plus Stingiest 20... defence. Stingiest defence. And goal scored. Um, I think only Leicester and Man City have scored more than us. And that's only two, a mere two goals more than us. You know, but best goal defence, 26, plus 26. Um that's the one. Be, being second, I've I've lived to experience that myself before in my life. But but having a plus twenty six goal difference just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> and, and... Normally it's like minus three, isn't it? But at this stage of the season, <laughs> but it is. It, it's extraordinary. And we've only got one striker. Yep. Ah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, a, it's a it's a good time to be a Lily White. It is, and you know, three defeats all all season. That you know that sort of form, three defeats all season at this stage. Um, I know Leicester fans will will have bragging rights because they're top and they've only lost what two games or whatever it is. But three defeats all season, um, best goal difference, best defence. That's championship winning form. Dare I say yep. it? That's the sort of form that you want to have, particularly at this this stage of the season. You might have it in October or November. Titles aren't aren't won then, but if you've got it in February and you're where we are now, that's a good position to be in. And actually, well, there's no there's no pressure on us. There's more pressure on Leicester City. Precisely. Precisely. There's, there's a couple of things that I've noticed recently. I think we saw on Facebook this morning people are quoting or referring to the BBC article about the title. And it's all about Leicester and if they can steal from Man City and Arsenal. I don't get annoyed when they overlook us because it's better to be um, overlooked and ignored. We're just quietly getting away with our, our stuff. And the other thing that made me laugh was, um, oh, what was it? The idea... The idea that, um, was it Alan Smith? God rest his soul. Um, Alan Smith was, and Paul Merson were both saying, were both saying, there's nobody showing any real consistency. It's an open season. I feel like, well, yeah, we are. We have been from the beginning. Mm. You know, we had a slow start, but as you said, only three defeats. And I don't see any reason why anybody should be uh, frustrated, negative, or worried, you know. Have faith in the potch. He's doing the business. Absolutely. Doing the business. And if you analyse those three defeats, I was there on the opening day of the season for the United game, and that was a game where they were Desperately poor. unlucky. They we were, were poor. Desperately we were unlucky. unlucky then, we, then we went on that 15-match unbeaten run, which in itself is, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people might say we, we, we drew a lot of games, but in itself that's quite consistent. Okay, then we lost to Newcastle. And then we put another run together. If you look at our last 10 matches, we, we, we're top of the form table, ahead of Leicester. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's despite losing one of those 10 matches to Leicester City. Yep. So we're in a good position. Um, as for the game yesterday, um, let me start with Nicky. Um, you were there at the Baron again. 
um, yeah. Johannesburg Spurs Sports Club. Um, mm. new, new, more new members? Yeah, we had a few new members arrive yesterday. We also had a couple who um, who were on holiday from England, and uh, they, they had a fabulous time. She was very superstitious, and she refused to have a photo taken <laughs> before the end of the match. She said, only at the end, when we win. I'm very superstitious, can't help myself. So, um, but it was just... I actually cannot explain to you how electric the atmosphere was last night. It was amazing. Everybody was sort of on the edge of their seats. And, yeah, we were getting a bit antsy because, I mean, we were clearly the better team on the day. I mean, for goodness sake, the the stats speak for themselves. And it was like, it was getting a bit frustrating. But Deli Ali was, was the game changer for us. I mean, brilliant substitution comes on and I think I read somewhere that it was something stupid like um, um, 176 seconds after he Mm. came on that he assisted Trippier's goal. I mean, how incredible is that? Mm. And he's dizzy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was just, you know, I I can just imagine how it must have been at White Hart Lane, but it it was at the Baron on Main, it was absolutely amazing it was i couldn't have asked for better and we had a great turnout sorry I'm, i know i'm talking about joburg spurs a lot but we had a great great turnout um at we were about 34 35 spurs supporters there and then obviously with some friends and and so forth we're we're a good 45 people in total and um it was just it was just so special so special not to put a damper on the whole thing but um I wasn't personally. I wasn't. I didn't particularly find them. I was there at White Hart Lane, and I'll talk about a bit about that and and yesterday um, a little bit later in a bit more detail. But I wasn't particularly enamoured by the performance. I wasn't. I didn't enjoy the game that much as a as a game of football. Um, well, but, but 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 I, but I obviously I, I enjoyed the results um, and the fact that that we are where we are on the table. There was a great sense of relief at the end and um, on the back of the Norwich game, which I've completely forgotten about, and I'll talk about that in a minute as well, um, uh, the middle of the week. Um, and it, it was one of, for me, it's one of those games in White Hart Lane where it was maybe because the first half was nil-nil and I've seen a few of those this season where it's been nil-nil like against Newcastle and Leicester where you know that you're the best team, but, well, Newcastle, we weren't great, but Leicester certainly... And the longer the game goes on, you just start to have this feeling in the back of your mind that the other team are going to score. Um, so there was a bit of nerves. And then particularly right at the end, when we were 1-0 up and it was the 90th minute and they put four minutes of um, added on time, which I don't know where the referee got got that from. Um, that was transmitted, David. You could feel the crowd groan. Mm. You could feel them groan over the TV screen, computer screen where I was watching. It's funny what Nikki was talking about the atmosphere in Johannesburg because, uh, because it, I, I, I think I put on the Facebook group, I think I haven't heard or felt such a spine-tingly atmosphere at White Hart Lane for a non-big club dark derby type game for a very long time. Yeah, it, yeah. The crowd were up for it. Were uh, up for it. Again, for me, it was an, I, that's a good point. For a, for a non-big type team, I suppose you're right. Um there was a sense of expectation. There was a sense of event yesterday, which you don't normally feel for Watford, mm. Crystal Palace, you know, Charlton, the smaller London teams, they have a derby element to it. But it's not Chelsea, it's not Arsenal, it's not Liverpool, it's not Manchester United. It, it's, it's, oh, excuse me, Colin, no, that's my dog getting involved. Um, 
uh, and it, it just felt it felt like a a big event yesterday. It yeah, it did. I mean, it's it was it was weird because I was just so anxious almost um, that I actually didn't eat. I couldn't eat. Oh, it was terrible. So I actually ended up drinking on an empty stomach, which surprise, was not very surprise. clever. Not very clever. But um, but I mean, yeah, I was too anxious to eat. It was ridiculous. And and. I don't know why, but I suppose, like Jeff says, you know, um, when it's when it's nil all at half time, you do kind of think, oh, damn it, we need to put this game to bed now, damn it, you know, um, yeah. I, I think I've been to better games that we've come away and say drawn one all or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. or, or nil nil, and felt, you know, what we, were, we really bossed that game and we should have won it, and felt frustrated, but I'd rather come away. And it's just my my perspective. I I'd rather come away thinking that perhaps wasn't the best game of football or the most enjoyable one, and that's that's a complete subjective view. Um, but still come away with the result, um, which is what we did. So in that sense, I'm quite happy. Um, I know what you're I know what you're saying about it not being necessarily a, a fantastically enjoyable game of football, mm. entertaining. But I I felt of the games I've watched this season, um, Tottenham and otherwise, it was the most enjoyable. Um, uh, sort of uh, left and right uh, wing backs or full backs, whatever you want to mm. call them. Yeah, that, mm. that attacking style. Yes. Trippier and Davis. I mean, I said again, I said yesterday, uh, looking at Ben Davis, the way he's moving into the box, the way he was he was on the end of crosses, when he was bringing the ball in, it looked like, squint a little bit, it looked like a young Gareth Bale. He was, you know, showing that pace and that attacking mindset. And and yeah, in that sense, watching, though, watching us literally having two wingers on each wing, and just bombing forward consistently, being let off the leash because Watford tried to stifle it and couldn't cope, was great to watch. I think both those players, both the fullbacks that you actually right stood out for me. Ben Davis, superb game. Trippier as well. Um, if I was going to pick a man of the match, um, let's get some humble pie ready. Uh, Dembele again, <laughs> was just superb. I thought he he. Oh, don't he bought... worry, I've got a slice of humble pie coming up as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I I thought that all the forward players you're, you're, they they did okay your Lamellas and your Ericsons and and Kane and Chadley I thought was a bit quiet um, and certainly Son and Ali when they came on they they, they changed the game um, but the ones that really impressed me Lloris obviously is just Lloris he got on and did his thing um, with the, with the fullbacks and and Dembele um, Dyer did well as well Dembele was solid and, and the fullbacks um, it's difficult to say which one did better Davis or Trippier both of them on top of their game also worth a mention I think Toby was Toby again once again did his usual reliable thing solid at the back and Kevin Vimmer had a good game and that's now two matches they've yeah. played together two clean sheets and I was worried when, when we did predictions on the last podcast and you're with me on there Nikki. I, I yeah. predicted that we would win both matches and concede a goal yeah. in both games yeah. um, and they kept clean sheets um, and that's I think really we, we, sorry, we kept a clean sheet and, and it's really good from, from for their perspective forging that understanding going forward and of course of course, we all want Jan to get back and make a speedy recovery but it's I just heard good on, on the commentary that I was watching I heard uh, a throwaway comment from it was Tony Gale was a summariser I think he said that there was a possibility that Jan could be out for the rest of the season. I don't know if I hmm. imagined that or not. I've definitely had that memory stuck in my head from yesterday. Okay. Um, 
the injury looks quite innocuous. As, as we talked about, you know, we were all dissecting the idea of him walking around in crutches in Barcelona, so it isn't that serious. But on the face of it, as you were saying, maybe it's not that big a problem. Mm. Unless something happens to either Toby or yeah. um, Vimmer. Um, or, or they get suspended or whatever. Um, although I don't think either of them are carrying, certainly not Vimmer, but even Toby, I don't think they're carrying many yellow cards. Um which is another thing that gets overlooked, by the way. Another thing, we, we, we talk about our successes since we've been built from solid defence. Yeah. But there's not that many bookings being handed out no, no. as well, which is another very good feather in our cap. Absolutely. The, the only players, I think, that have had suspensions this season were Deli Alley and... That's because he's a roaster I think Dyer as well, earlier on in the season. I was going to mention it, you know, I, now, this is my humble pie. I, as a, you know, If you go back and listen <laughs> to the Manchester United podcast, I did, I think the quote was, why is he playing Dyer in def- as a defensive middle? Does he see something that we don't? Obviously, I can now exclusively reveal, yes, he clearly did see something <laughs> that we didn't. Um, it, to the point now, I was going to say yesterday, and I think uh, the Norwich game was on commentator picked it up as well. No, it was the Colchester game. Um, Dyer looks less steady as a central defender now when he goes back than as a, as a defensive midfielder. And I think the Colchester commentator said something on the lines of um, you have more scope to get away with dodgy tackles in defensive midfield because your mistakes don't, origin, don't immediately get found out. In defence, you've got to be quicker and tighter on it. And I think that, that my little there was a few niggles yesterday. Dyer was going in... A little bit, a little bit aggressively, a little bit poorly. I mean, it was, some, it was a bit of professional gameplay and bringing players down a couple of times. And I just want him just to clean up that part of his game. But that's the only thing I can add. I think he's been an absolute revelation. Mm. An absolute revelation. It's astonishing. And I think if we go back to that United game, even the second game against Stoke, I think the mindset of a lot of us, uh, myself included, were that, yeah, he can do a good job. He's doing he's doing a job. Yep. He's been asked to do a job, but he's not really a midfield player. And I think it wasn't too long after that. I think it was the Everton match. He might have been the fourth game of the season. And he just clicked watch, into place, didn't he? Yeah. And since then, bar maybe one or two games, possibly the Newcastle one when everybody played bad, yeah. he's, he's just really looked the part. And it just shows that Pochettino... Obviously, you know, it didn't just click into place. This is something they've been working on in the summer. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, and it shows that Pochettino's got that um, foresight. He's a coach, but he's, he's, a got, coach. he's also got that vision to to see something that, that the rest of us don't and then say, right, you know, actually, here's a player, he can do, he's got the potential to do this and then get the best out of him, um, which a good coach does. It's what you were um, saying earlier on about man in a match. Who was your man in a match? And I think something I'm increasingly saying about, you know, when I see and when I watch a game is... Uh, I, I can't. There's very, very. Uh, you say, for example, Dem, Dembele had a man of match performance. He's able to be so imperious because he's got people like Dyer around and Ali yeah. in front of him, Dyer behind him. I literally think. I know it's a cliche. I know other teams are saying it. You know, lots of Guna fans are saying, "Well, we haven't got any football players. We're just a well-oiled machine team." That's what football is. It's a team game. Mm, uh, and mm. I, I, not even Leicester are playing with the same audacity and determination and coherence as a unit. Uh, Leicester are, are literally running on this kind of uh, underdog belief. There's something different about the way Tottenham are doing it. And it's exciting. It, it is. really is exciting. Because uh, they're so young as well. 
and as we said earlier, nobody. Sorry, that's the other thing. Is you say that they're so young, you know, coupled with the only one striker, best defense, best goal difference. Um, I don't fear anybody. I don't, youngest, I don't get, I don't get yeah. panicked. I don't get panicked. But I don't fear anybody. They're they're coming out and saying things in public, which just make you love them even more. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the boys. The team spirit is just you can it's it's so tangible. I mean, you can feel it. Even even yep. the posts on Facebook that Tottenham yep. put out are, uh, I mean, they, they, I don't know who they've got um, doing that, but but this person's clearly really excited because even the posts on Facebook are just it's just this team spirit um, sort of facade that they that they're putting out there. But it's not it's not just for show, it's real. No. It's tangible. You can, it's also, you can... I was going to say, sorry, sorry, Nick, I was going to say, mm-hmm. it's also, you know, the, the expert in this in the past, in the last 20 years, was Alex Ferguson creating that kind of bunker mentality with his team. Mourinho did this as well. This isn't a bunker mentality we're seeing. They're open, they're smiling, they're being honest and frank about what they believe they can achieve, and still, and, and, and they're not hiding away or, or accusing other people of things or, or, or falling back on aggression towards other people. They're just simply going, we take each match as it comes. We believe in what our manager has tells us to do, and we play for each other, and we're enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. Ticks on exactly, my boxes. Ticks on my boxes. <laughs> that's exactly what Pochettino does. I mean, you know, um, he has this thing of of, and he says it every single time. We just concentrate on the next match. We just yep. concentrate on the next match. We take it one step at a time. That's his philosophy, etc. I, I remember posting something in the South African uh, group. Um, where it, it was a picture where um, of Wenger and Pochettino, and mm-hmm. and Pochettino uh, says something to Wenger like, "Did you see the log or whatever the case is?" Um, and some guy commented and said, "Calm down, people. Don't get so ahead of yourselves." You know, and I was just, and I, I almost wanted to say to the guy, "Just don't rain on my parade, okay?" <laughs> if I want to be excited and if I want to be happy about where we are and and enjoy the moment then I'm going to do that and if you're not one of those people then take your pity party somewhere else your negativity I, I don't understand why people should not uh, now look I'm sure Jared you'll probably want to discuss this this is you know the, the, the encroaching inevitability of us saying do we dare talk about do we dare to dream mm. You know, do we dare? Do we dare? Well, that's Sorry, the whole Jeff. point of who we are. That's the whole point of why we support Tottenham, because we dare. Well, we, we had a question from John Steggles on Twitter. He said exactly that. Dare we dare we think about it? Dare we think about... I presume he means the title, although... The, the, the treble. The, 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 <laughs> the double, the treble is, is on. Um, Going to win FHM Sexist Woman of the Year as well. <laughs> um, who's in the running for that? Jenna Coleman. Um, uh, I have no idea. I put away. Such if, po- if Pochettino was in the running for it, he'd probably win that. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, Those chiselled good looks. Uh, yeah. So okay. Just jumping out on on onto that. Just good good sort of segue. Um, looking at John John Segel's question. Dare, dare we think about it? Is it really realistic? I, I've said on the pod. Look, beginning of the season I said I think if we finish fifth that would be a good season um, and I know that wouldn't have been an improvement on last last year but I thought mm-hmm. if, we, if we finish fifth and if we win a cup that would be good because finishing fifth is going to be 
in itself is going to be quite difficult given the resources we we, we, don't, we don't have the resources of City and Arsenal um, prior to the Bournemouth game and then just afterwards I announced it on the pods um, I think Nicky you were on with me and Dev and I said top top four risks for the taking I might have said third but I really believe that and at that point I think I don't know how many people were going on about top four. I've since re- revised that, and I've got to the point where um, I think fourth is a given. Dare I say it's it? It's ours I think to lose. So. It's ours to lose. I think third is very much within within reach. But I actually, think that we can we can win the league. I really do. I I don't I don't see there's any reason why why we can't. Other than the fact that yeah, it's ours to lose. There are what thirteen matches left, so there's very room any there's very little room for um, any more sort of error um you know you can you can drop points against leicester and newcastle earlier on the season but you know that there's going to be lots of other games at the moment there's very little room for error because if we drop a few more points then there's well, going to be le- less games to turn it around you know you, you both see me you know when we talked before we started recording i you know i i'm in the the schrodinger's spurs area of my life at the moment which is you know the title is ours the title is not ours and we just enjoy this moment before the uncertainty is decided i don't think that window is very long to be closed you know man city coming up arsenal afterwards by the time we played those two games we'll know mm. we'll know yeah. if we give uh, uh, you know dare i say it if we come away from those two games with six points then you know let yourself go mental believe because it, it's it's entirely a possibility we, really though what it comes down to we have to keep doing what we as potch says we've got to keep taking it one game at a time and just see how it goes in the end we do need Leicester to slip up that's what I wish we, you know, if we'd have, <laughs> if we'd have beaten them yeah. in the league, and we, you know, that wasn't a, that wasn't a bad performance, oh. you know, if we'd have beaten the league, we'd it, it would be, um, it would be much more game on. But as it is, when can, when can we actually drop the uh, the, the, the the cynicism of, of of the or the lack of belief? We're in second. Teams fear us. I tell you what. I would you know, rather be where we are, consistent and second. Uh, earlier, if, you know, a few months ago, I said I'd rather be. We're, we're in the mix, and maybe at that point we would say fourth, or we were fifth, but it was it was like just I don't know goal difference maybe separating us and mm-hmm. United, for example. I was quite happy at that stage. Now I'm quite happy where where we are because we're just ahead of Arsenal in goal difference. They've unfortunately beaten um, Bournemouth two nil, um, and we're a point ahead of City. Um, we're not top. Everybody's talking about Leicester and either singing their praise or saying, you know, the wheels are going to come off. So the pressure's on them. Arsenal and City, um, everybody's talking about them as challengers to, to, to Leicester. And we're just sandwiched in the, in the middle, just sitting happily, as we said earlier, under the radar. Um, I can foresee a situation. I think that maybe the conventional wisdom was that Leicester would drop points yesterday, either lose or, or get a draw. And I mm-hmm. suppose a draw would have been a better result for us because mm-hmm. at least both teams would have, would have dropped points. They won. I'm not saying they're going to win next week against Woolwich. Maybe they'll draw. That wouldn't be too bad a result. But it could actually be later on in the season when they've got, I don't know, somebody who's fighting for relegation, somebody like a Norwich City or, or whoever or Bournemouth or whatever, a game that on paper, and it might even be a game that they're at home, that on paper you'd expect them to win, <coughs> that's where they could start to drop the points. Mm. Um, and also at a point in time where it's the last 10 matches or 5 matches and the pressure starts to take its toll and we're just cruising along in second, doing our, going about our business quietly and then they then have a moment and we've got that strength of character and that 
experience, which is weird because we've got this really young squad. Yeah, but good. you do feel that it's the paradox. You feel that actually you've got some that there are some experienced heads in there in Lloris and Vertonghen and Dembele. Um, there are lots of younger heads, but I think Kane and Rose and Walker are now players that have been knocking around in the Premier League for a while. It seems, um, and they've grown up together. And then they've got this man, this coach manager, that's very steady, very calm, um, and we could be in, in in a position to to, to capitalise when Leicester fall. So, I'm I'm really confident. I can I can envisage. Allow me the daydream for a moment. You know, um, I can envisage us um, sneaking it on the literally the last kick of the game, on the last day of the season. On goal difference. Well, yeah, something, I don't know, Andros Townsend own goal. Own goal, I was going to say exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yep, yep. Blocks a cane shot, loops over the keeper's head. And then you know. comes over and celebrates <laughs> with the first fans. That would be poetic, that would be beautiful. Um, yeah, it gets, uh, a bit, gets a lasagna out of his shin pad. Starts chewing away. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? So, just on on, on yesterday, just just you mentioned Dembele earlier, um, uh, and Dyer and Ali. It strikes me that you've got Dyer sitting alongside Dembele, who Dyer who who's, who's um, does a lot of the um, defensive work, breaking up a lot of the attack, giving that cover, and giving Dembele the freedom to play. Yep. You've got. Deli Ali further forward, who's quite energetic and he's got the legs, so you don't necessarily have to doesn't put that onus on on Dem on Dembele, but he can also drop back and play alongside Deli Ali should Dembele venture venture forward. So I think it's actually a really good mix in that midfield. Well, I think and... the Watford manager said it quite well. If you go back and listen to his his uh, his post match uh, interview, he basically said what you're you're building to now, which is they've got. They've got so many different ways they can attack, so many different ways they do it, how they mix and match. All their players are dangerous. How do you cope? Mm. Right, we're so unpredictable. Mm. We look predictable from our position of watching as fans, but as, as players, you know, who's going to make the run? Who's going who's gonna to cut in? Who's going to move in this way? And the Absolutely. players can all interchange and do that that way. I, again, I, I come back to the point, I don't think there's one standout phenomenal player. I really do believe it, it's a unit but. You know, as you say, Dembele is looking so imperious because he's given the support behind him with Dyer and the opportunity and expansion in front of him with players like Ali, and it, he's just enjoying the role. There isn't that superstar. I mean, last year you might say Harry Kane was the the player that really stood out, but this season, Kane's still doing the business um, after a quiet start. But you've just got so many other players on the pitch, each contributing, and it's just a collective effort. Well, you said um, you haven't had a podcast since the Norwich Kings for the two games this week, and I was going no. to talk about that as well. And, and I, Nor- I said, I said that was terrifyingly uh, efficient. Yeah. We just okay, so, we up, took them apart, went home. So yeah. Norwich, um, I went there um, very quickly. Um, you didn't go there started, very quickly. You were there all day, weren't you? I, was, <laughs> I started. I, I, I was. I managed to waggle, um, being allowed to start early at work and get there at quarter past seven to leave work at quarter past four. Um, was was in working in London Bridge that day. I'd work at different different buildings depending on what I'm doing. Got from London Bridge to Liverpool Street. Got the train. Ended up on the wrong a bit naughty. So I ended up on the wrong train um, where my I had, my ticket wasn't um, it wasn't valid for that train. So I'm thinking shit. How the hell am I going to get round a fine? 
um, potential five. Shall I blag it? Shall I go and you know? I'm not not really been in that situation before. Um, and then the train stopped halfway through, like half an hour in, um, because it was a faulty train in front. So the irony was we ended up actually later than the train I should have been on. Um, and as it was, the ticketing inspector didn't come away. So that was all good. And then, this is for me, this is a contrast with, with the Watford game. The first half of that match was amazing. Um, firstly, Norwich City, lovely little ground, Carrow Road. Yeah. Um, where the away fans were, um, it was on uh, the, the sort of sides, uh, the, one of the main stands. Great view, fantastic view, and really good atmosphere, particularly first half. Um, as with any away game, um, atmosphere is great, but particularly first half. And the performance first half, it was just really electric. So I think I was a bit spoiled after that. Um, that's why maybe I didn't enjoy yesterday as much as um, as Tuesday. Second half, I don't think we were as good. In we we did a job, but I thought we sat back a bit and um, allowed them to come in the game. But there was only ever going to be one winner. Yeah. And just coming back to what we said about the fullbacks earlier, so Davis and um, uh, Trippier, who who were outstanding yesterday, uh, they didn't play on Tuesday, and it was Walker and Rose. They had really good games, and it just strikes me that, that at the moment it's got to the stage where, beginning of the season, we might have had some doubts about Trippier. Mm-hmm. Um, not not majorly. Not being, not being just, overly critical, but yeah. just maybe we were in the sort of mindset that he's a bit like Ben Davis was the previous season, that he needs to find his feet. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that probably since December, when there was a return match against, or the previous game against Watford, um, he started to feature a lot more and he's doing really well and actually it's got to the point where I feel that I don't care which fullback is starting whether it's Walker and Spot Rose or, Wa- yeah. or Walker and Davis or Davis and Trippier it, it doesn't frighten me I can't. I, but it's also got to the point where I can't second guess which one um, Pochettino is going to start with it doesn't but matter either that's the important it do, thing it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter. But uh, Nobody, I don't see any other pundits or people around football outside of Tottenham talking about this. We have, we have, um, yeah, four, four fullbacks. Three of them are English. One is Welsh. And they're probably the best in the league. Mm. All four of them are probably head and shoulder. They're extraordinary. And because of the way we play, uh, I'm, fullbacks I'm, I'm, almost playing I'm as wingers. Rose and Walker are extraordinary. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the irony of that is a, a few years ago. I remember when 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 Rose broke into the team when when AV, AVB was manager. Um, he got injured, and then he, we, we we were missing him, and everybody was going, "Oh, you know, we're missing Rose. We haven't got a proper left back." We had Norton playing there, and then Rose came back in the team, and he didn't do well. It's, you know, it's always when players come back from injury that mm-hmm. it takes a while for them to settle. And I remember t- fans getting on his back and whatever. And then he was offered that five-year contract when yeah. Pochettino came in, just as we signed Ben Davis. Yeah. And then he had a great season last season, or a good season last season, and it's continued continues it this season. And one of the things for me is those the way those fullbacks play, almost as wingers, it's going to put so much demand on them that we have to alternate the players yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but also, also again, talking about the the team spirit. There's no, you don't hear any grumbling or rumbling about players wanting to uh, have a consistent place. They're all, they're all. Yeah. Is it was it the Poch quote? You know, players assigned. We 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 play. We pay players to train, not to play. Yes, not to exactly. play. And mm-hmm. it's like that ethos has just permeated through. You don't see. Uh, rumours or, or talk of people like Rose or Walker saying well I need more game time because I want to get in the England squad they, they know they're doing the job and they're doing the business and the rotation is part of what has to happen Absolutely. It's, 
And as you said, Jamie, yesterday, you don't look at the team selection and go, what? You just go, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, I, and, I, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I also, I mean, yesterday, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even see the squad selection because I was just so busy with other things. So, you know, that. we, <laughs> touche. <laughs> Um, I'm keeping as, a running as tally. A of, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it was. But anyway, um, <laughs> but but you know, before I think we used to wait for it to come out, and it was just this this sort of anxiousness. Okay, who's yep. he going to select? What is he going to do? Now it's a case of okay, well, who selects? They're going to do the business. So you know, let's just accept whatever whatever he chooses or whoever chooses to play as being the right decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, in parts we trust. I know Absolutely. it's such a it's such a cliche, but we do. <laughs> listen to us, and it's funny. Listen, you know, I'm sure I will listen back at some point and go, "Oh my word, they all sound like they're on laughing gas." Because <laughs> we, you know, this isn't this isn't what a Tottenham conversation should sound like. No, it's it's we're allowed to do this. People out there, listen. We are allowed to be optimistic. We're allowed to say that things are going well. We know, you know, it would be nice if we'd have bought in a cover striker, obviously, and you know. But it's working. And even, as you said, Javid, even if we finish third or fourth, if we fall away, it doesn't matter because I'm not think I'm so excited because it's not about this season. Yes. It's about where it's going. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think Levy now has got the confidence. I think, you know, he's got young players. He's tied them down with long-term contracts. And, you know, he's got the confidence to say, if Real Madrid come and knock in, nah, go away. Go away. This is, we're building, mm. a, we're building a, a team. We're building a legacy here. And I, I think a lot of the talk in the media about Poch maybe being poached by another larger club, and it's automatic, it does annoy me. It's automatic thing. Like people like Robbie Savage, you know, going, going well, you know, he, he can't say no to a big club, can he? Excuse me? Excuse me? We are a big club. We are a big club. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and part of that, that step up that's happening in our confidence and belief this season is down to him. He knows it. He has done it. He has been the manager we have waited 20 years for, the man who was unlocking the sleeping giant. You know, mm. Liverpool, Liverpool are a provincial club with a big history. You know, we are, we are a club that has, has come close to achieving uh, greatness. We haven't done that thing of we've, we haven't been dominant, a dominant force, persistent force in domestic football over a period of years. We, we get this, this, this awakening, this dawn, and then we get let down. I, this feels different. Mm. This feels different. This isn't. This isn't a step on the way. This is what we've been waiting for. Welcome to the promised land, people. Hallelujah. This goes back to, to a conversation I had with, with, with Paul Esau a few months ago. Um, ironically, at the Newcastle match um, before at halftime, I think one nil up or was one all I can't remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Paul said, "Imagine what it would have been like." In fifty eight, fifty nine. Yeah. Not not the not the year that we won the double. The build the season or the, the season before that, just the build up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. what were people thinking then? Were they thinking, Oh, this isn't going anywhere? Or, you know, all the doubts that you the, the negative stuff that you, you hear. I know it's a different era and whatever. Um but maybe Dave McKay it, wasn't on Twitter. <laughs> well yeah, maybe 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 <laughs> no social media then, good thing, no podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, less amateurs sat around um, uh, in a TV studio. I'm not uh, prof- professionals, but amateurs <laughs> that might as well be talking about Leicester City and 
and Arsenal and Man City and, and neglecting to mention us. But yeah, di- different different time. But I'm sure that um, the buzz, the, the buzz, the build up would have been the same. And 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 who knows? It this might be that we don't know because we've never experienced. None of us have. Exactly. Um, and even if somebody was born back in 1960 or 1959, they would have been too young to to, to, to understand or appreciate or comprehend uh, what what a team finishing Some, the. Something I say to some of my, I mean, I've lived out in Spain for about eight years now, and um, I felt like I was cursed. I moved out here, and it was like Spain just won everything. You know, they went <laughs> two back-to-back European championships and, and the World Cup. And um, there's another story I'll tell you one day about me putting the German flag on my uh, on my cheeks uh, to watch the World Cup semi-final. Me and another friend drinking ourselves into a stupor, going, "If my nine-year-old self could see me now, what would he say?" <laughs> I'm singing the German national anthem, uh, and you know, I said to, I'd say to some of my students, some of the younger ones, and they were all, you know, wearing their Spain tops and all, just going, you know, we are the best in the world. No one can beat us. And I said, I feel sorry for you. And they go, Why? because you don't understand the taste of defeat when it comes it's going to hurt you more your fall from grace is going to be harder and you should be a spurs fan understand the long slow build of disappointment we, you know, if we indulge and live in this perpetual state of of non-delivery now we're here and we can taste it and we can feel it enjoy it enjoy it i said to you guys didn't i before we started i said imagine Imagine if we spend next season, the last full season, at our home ground, White Hart Lane, wearing the Golden Lion on our sleeves. Oh. What a way to say goodbye to the history of that place. Why not? What are we? Are we? Are we not allowed to dream? Do we have to be like Partick Thistle fans for the rest of our lives? You know, no. We're Tottenham. Absolutely. Dare us to do. You know what? Dare us to, to, mean, to dream. Yeah. Jeff. I need you mm-hmm. to just, I need you to cut that little section there for me and send it to me so that I can just play it as my ringtone or something. Because, <laughs> Mary, you know that I, I'm in love with your voice. But, um, but that was just like, I was closing my eyes and I was there and I was feeling the emotion of winning. I mean, come on. It's so exciting. This is it. This is it. I, <gasps> think, I think one of the questions, isn't it? How would, we, how would you celebrate if we won? Um... Well, there's the old story, the old story of um, when Celtic won. It was 67. They won. They won the European Cup. There's the, the Lisbon Lions. There's the old apocryphal tales in Glasgow. But there's still Celtic fans out in Lisbon drinking. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's how I'd celebrate. You know, I would just, I would just open. There'd always be a perpetual bottle of wine open, and when my yeah. wife complained that I was drinking, I'd say, "I'm celebrating." Um, <laughs> it, it's, I do. It's funny. It's funny. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's something we pursue. We, we attach ourselves emotionally to a team, you know, a PLC. It's, it's not our work and our effort and our energy that achieves the results, but it's our passion and our dedication to the outcome of what other people do. You know, it's. We are allowed to indulge and celebrate in that moment, and uh, it, it shouldn't take away if we don't reach the top heights this season. We should still be able to look back and go. I mean, guys, simple statistics: we've only lost three games in the league. So that, that, that is that, that's that's a sort of form. That's that's you know the championship-winning form. Um, really. And if you can't um, enjoy that, I think maybe you should stop watching football. 
I agree. Should follow, follow somebody like Arsenal and, and have a complete <laughs> melt, meltdown, um, as, as they've done a few occasions this season. Um, just a quick, quick thing. So on on the Norwich game, um, I got back at stupid Silly o'clock, o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yep. To, back back home at two a.m. up because um, there weren't any direct trains from from Norwich, but it was well worth it. Um, went past a place called Jizz that I've never heard of. Jizz. Um, yeah. Well, it sounded like Diss. I think it was Diss. Diss. Diss, yeah, that's it. I went for an interview once in Diss. Don't Diss, Diss. It's worth don't, it. Don't Diss. <laughs> um, what's the other thing? Yesterday, um, just a quick mention. So um, I can't mention everybody that was there, but there's quite a lot of people um, from the Sotomotspur uh, family Facebook group um, that were there. Um, who else did we see? So there was. Um, it's become a bit of ritual now. So we we met up at the Irish Irish Centre before and after the game. Um, the gentleman called Jean Luc uh, Sacchetti, who brings at these gatherings some homemade limoncello, um, and that that went down quite well. <laughs> so yeah, so there was there was that. Um, there was the I baked some Tottenham cakes, um, which they got... looked good. They look yeah. good, and they got they got eaten up very quickly. Um, there's a lady, um, Annette Annette Smith, who came down from Glasgow, and she'd made some brownies, and they were equally good, very good. In fact, the best brownies I've probably tasted. Um, and they got gobbled up. Um, and then at the Irish Centre, I bumped into I was at the bar, and I bumped into Martin Cloak from the Tottenham Hotspur oh. Supporters, Tr- Supporters oh, okay. Trust, and I. I, I I never met him. We, we we had him on the podcast, Nicky and I, him and Cat, Cat Laws from from the Trust, um, end of towards the end of last season. And standing at the bar, I kept I was, I was there with it with an air. And I kept looking at him. I was like, is that is that is that, is that Martin Cloak? And um, and it's one of those situations where you do want to go up to him and say, excuse me, are you Martin? And then somebody turns out to be somebody else. Um, as he was getting his drinks, he went over to Cat, and as soon as and I had met Cat Cat before, and as soon as I saw Cat, I went over and introduced myself. We had a bit of a chat. Gave them some Tottenham cake, um, which was good. Uh, then what else? What else? During the match, um, in the same block as us, in block 35, um, I met um, ASD from the Echoes of Glory, Tottenham Echoes of Glory podcast. Um, I've been on their pod a couple, couple of times before. Came over, we had a chat. He had some cake. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, that, that, that was about it. And then and then it was back onto the, onto the Irish Centre afterwards. Um, must also confess and she's probably going to kill me for mentioning this but I'm sure she'll forgive me as well um, after the match um, myself and Annette were stood outside um, the gates at White Hart Lane waiting for the players to, to come through um, and in particular waiting for uh, Pochettino to come through um, and the players all zoom, zooms by fairly quickly Carl Walker, we saw Carl Walker go by and Davis and Dyer and Dembele and Harry Kane and uh, I think Vimmer. Uh, somebody that Annette thinks was Daniel Levy, but I'm not entirely sure that it was because he was driving a crap crap car. It'd be but, the best way. But, it'd be the best way to sneak out of White Hart Lane without being noticed, wouldn't it? No, but if it's, <laughs> although if you think about it, if he was driving a crap 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 car, that's probably Daniel Levy saving a few pennies. Right at the very end, we're, we're waiting, waiting for Potch. Two seconds. Yeah. Two seconds. What do you define as a crap car? I mean, I'm intrigued. <laughs> You're talking about like, like a, a Fiat Panda. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a Jag. It wasn't like all the other cars. A Mark One um, Escort. Flash. It just looked. It just didn't look 
the sort of car that you'd expect Levy to be driving. Didn't have crunch. Um, Go on, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Do carry. <laughs> and then right at the very end, so we're waiting for Pochettino, and if, if you've read any articles about him, he, he's the one that, as you would expect with any manager or any person in, in, in that position of authority to be the last one. He turns to, out the lights, doesn't he? Sorry? He turns out the lights. Turns out the lights, yeah. <laughs> no, but for, for, first one in, last one out. Yep. And um, we're waiting, waiting. After Stewart, and he said, you know, he normally, he's normally the last one out, and he normally... Um, will be out before 7 o'clock and lo and behold just before 7 he drove by um, couldn't get a photo he zoomed right around the corner he drove by but he did Annette if you're listening he definitely did wave wave, wave at you was it it a Deli Ali wave? it was a Pochettino wave no only Deli Ali can do the the Deli Ali wave Um, we we saw him earlier yeah so good day um, overall um I'm, right. I'm glad you did that with her because if I was there, I would have insisted that I give that a go with you. So when I come over for a game, hopefully sometime this year, Annette, you're going to be there and we'll both accost him and, and you know. <laughs> I, I need to clarify, I thought you had a restraining order out against you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he loves me. He doesn't have a restraining order. He just doesn't realise how much he loves me yet. <laughs> restraining orders, as, as I established with, with, with Jenna Coleman, they don't mean anything. <laughs> That's, that's by the way twice I've got her name in the podcast, um, uh, Jenna. Um, oh, right. Jammin, um, jammin. By the way, I mean, by the way, if you know, for future reference, if you want to start up a Doctor Who fan podcast, you let me know, eh? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll bear so, that in mind. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's interesting as it sounds. It's difficult enough doing this one each week, um, but but maybe maybe yeah. do a do a do a episode review program. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that off air. I know. Um, Greg Taylor is also a big Doctor Who fan. Right, um, talking of Jenners, oh, that's the fourth, oh, I... third, or fourth time. We, we've also got, we've also got uh, middle of the week. I'm, I'm going up to um, Hotspur Way um, with uh, Rebecca, with, with, with Rebecca Braddock Bex, um, to interview the Spurs ladies, um, and we're, we're meeting um, Jenna Scalacci, the, the, the captain, and also Evia Bergen. Um, so we'll probably do a midweek pod after that, the recording. Um, talking of which, um, here's Bex with this week's update on the Spurs ladies. Hi, it's Bex with a quick update on the Spurs ladies team. I'm a little bit croaky, so I apologise for that. There's too much shouting at the Watford game yesterday watching the men's game. So last weekend, the ladies played in the Capital One Cup about against West Ham. That was the quarter-final of the Cup. And it was one all at the end of extra time and we won 7-6 on penalties. So lots of credit to our keeper, Tony Ann Wayne. She had an outstanding game. The girls are playing right now. So this is 15-43 on Sunday, 7th of Feb. They're playing currently, they're playing Gillingham. Um, and we've had a goal disallowed from Avila Bergen and the pressure is all coming from Spurs. There's some videos out and about on Twitter. They're definitely worth having a look at. And it's nice to see that the Spurs ladies team have a sensible Facebook page so you can follow their information there. Entitled simply Spurs ladies. Go have a look. It keeps you up to date with everything that's going on. The girls' next league match is next Sunday, the 14th of February. They play Plymouth at Chessant. And that's a two o'clock kickoff. So if anybody won't be watching anything else, that's a good thing to go and do on a Sunday afternoon. Support the girls. For anybody that's unaware, Javad and I are off to interview Jenna Scalacci and Avila Bergen on Wednesday. We've got some questions and hopefully we'll be able to let you hear the results of that next week. I'm off to take my croaky voice for some honey and whiskey or something. Um, 
Thanks very much for listening. I'm on Twitter at BunchesBex. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right, welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Thank you, Bex. Excuse the fact that she was sounding a bit croaky on that recording. Um, that's probably to do with um, yesterday and cheering on Spurs and, and Limoncello. Limoncello and various other things. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so before we do questions, quick prediction on who the fuck are we? Man City. We're playing Man City. <laughs> on Valentine's next, Day. Next, right, so, so, okay, so we're playing Man City on the 14th of Feb next Sunday. I'm going down to the match. Um, going down or going up? Going down, going up, going up, going, getting the train <laughs> up, up to, to north. To, up, up north. I just don't know whether to just go for the game or try to make a bit more of a day of it. And the last time I did that, I went up to, to Liverpool with, with with Nick Field, and we were a bit disappointed with how dismal it was. Oh, <laughs> oh, can I can I speak up for Liverpool a second? I lived in Liverpool for five years. I do have a bit of a soft spot for Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool's a great. Next time you go to Liverpool, let me know, and I'll tell you some places to go. Okay. I, I suppose we, we, we didn't help ourselves by the fact that we went during the day on a Sunday just after New Year's Day, so it probably wasn't the best time yeah. of the day to go. So uh, uh, next week, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna try to do something during the day and do a bit of sort of sightseeing. If there's anything to see in Manchester, I doubt it. There's the road out. There's the road out. Yep. <laughs> road back down. Um, I mean, all the good things. The Hacienda. That's now um, uh, uh, in the past. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's in the past, but it's also a council flat or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I've, and I've seen it, um, been there before. Anyway, um, no, I'll be, I'll be going up to Manchester, so I'm not going to be doing the podcast next week. So, in my absence, not for the first time, but the first time that I won't be involved in any shape or way or form recording yet. So the whole thing will be hosted and managed by Nikki. Stepping yeah. up to the plate. I've got big and... shoes to feel too full. <laughs> And it's going to be an all-ladies podcast, isn't it, Nikki? Yeah, same as we did last year, Valentine's Day. Um, Bex and Carol are going to be joining me on the pod next week after the game. And um, and then you'll probably put it up for us, Jev, maybe... Monday morning. Monday morning, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look when I get back Sunday, Sunday evening, and then probably um, it'll be available to download and, and all of that on Monday morning. I'll have, um, to, I'll have to think about maybe putting together a special um, ladies podcast theme tune or something. <laughs> I love it. Maybe, I love it. Maybe Good a idea. Spurs version of We Je Dem or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Actually, that that reminds me. So before before we before we do predictions, quick predictions on Man City and questions. So Merrick, um, apologies. So the last time since the last time that you're on the podcast, um, firstly congratulations because you've had a baby daughter. Thank you. For, for four, four months old. Four months old now. Yeah. Yep, and the other thing was, um, I think either just after or maybe two episodes or so, something after after the last pod that you were on, we changed the theme tune on the for, for the both the intro and the outro of, of the pods to come on you Spurs, which you've written, produced, sung, everything. Yeah, yeah, sing the theme tune, work the theme tune. Oh, uh, I love. <laughs> and you've got a. You've got a band, uh, the Lost Clauses. The Lost Clauses, yeah. We are in, shall we? We're in, we're in performance hibernation at the moment. We're we're writing, we're busy writing. We've got um, the basis of uh, our first album written and uh, what we call maqueta, uh, which is like a demo track set up. We are the the, the, the procedure with um, producers is painfully slow. Um, mm. So in the meantime, we we don't want to wait forever for a produced studio album to be finished so what we're looking at doing is um hopefully soon cross fingers watch for space a little um session acoustic kind of um ep mm. a lot of the material that didn't make it onto the album the album is a bit of a bit more 
it's ballads, so to speak, but it's a bit more bombastic, a bit more produced. Uh, the um, We've got a lot of stuff we've got in the back drawer, which is um, quite chilled out and quite laid back. It's, it's basically, it's, it's piano, acoustic guitar and a lead guitar. So, yeah, I'll let you know when that stuff's coming out and to see the light of day. And the, the website is www.thelostclauses.com. Um, yes. If anybody yes. wants to follow you on, on uh, SoundCloud. Yeah, we've got SoundCloud. Some, some snippets on SoundCloud as well. We're, we're trying to, we're trying, we used to, we were a covers band for many years and um, so there's been some changes in personnel and it's been right down just to the, the, the writing core. We went back down to two or three members again to uh, to do our own stuff. So I am hoping to um, to put more material out into the ether soon and, a, and as and when we reach the FA Cup final and the Europa Cup final although we talked about FA Cup final previously we did, um, yep. you're going to write a song aren't you um, I, uh, or, I have, or, or, or an updated version of uh, yeah, there's two options I can either do a, a full version of the Chaz and Dave inspired yeah by the way I mean the, the Tottenham Hotspur theme tune the come on you Spurs is not the kind of stuff I normally write or sing <laughs> it, was, it was very much a Chaz and Dave idea um, it will either be a full-length version of that, properly produced, or I will write another specific song for a, a cup final. I have started to turn my attention towards that, you know, uh, little little mm-hmm. lyric notes like you know the golden lion on our shoulder and that kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, tingly. Ooh. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> I look okay. And what I would uh, what I would be interested in proposing, if if you know, if the the podcast community are interested is rather than take, uh, if I did like a, a crowd snippet or a, a crowd chorus run, would be to get people who, um, who were involved in the podcast to, uh, to help record the chorus line or a, uh, a crowd chant line rather than using recordings from the stadium. I would, I would be up for that. Um, if you can, seeing if he's featured the last few weeks prominently and we, we keep giving him more and more and more attention I'm not talking about Musa Dembele but Pochettino um, and, the, and the more praise he's getting and it, it strikes me we don't really on, on the terraces we don't really have a, a song for Pochettino there's Pochettino's Blue Army Poch- but that's that hasn't really taken off I think a lot of fans struggle with that um, I think just it's, saying it's, Pochettino it's but, syllables dude <laughs> yeah and it's, it's, a, it's not it's not an original song no. if, 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 if we could somehow I suppose any sort of song, it really has got to be about Tottenham. It's not about the player or the manager, but if we somehow could in- incorporate Pochettino into a song and, and, and what he's done, that would be, be fantastic. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got some lyric ideas. I did, um, I did muse about an idea of a Poch song to the, the tune of Que Sera, Sera. We've got Poch, we've got Poch. But you see, again, it doesn't, doesn't quite, uh, doesn't quite um, hit to the rhythm. But no, I, I, you're right. I mean, look, I think we've seen people talk about it. You know, would would losing Kane or Ali be as damaging as losing Modric or Bale? Nah, losing Potch would be even more damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's all down to him. It's all down that's, to him. That's not a thought that I even want to contemplate for right. a second. Right. Uh, <laughs> re- really quick pr- pr- prediction. Let's go back to Jenna Man, Coleman. Man, Calm down. Man, yeah, let's go back to that. Four mentions of Jenna. Um, He's in his safe right. place. He's in his safe place. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, you um, see, all of this procrastination is to avoid having to do predictions about Man City. That's true. Right, I, I'll, I'll, kick, I'll, I'll kick it off. We're going to go there and win win 2-0. Oh, Maybe. I thought you were going to say 4 and back down there. No, we're going to win 2-0. And just, by the way, I read something about how only ourselves, PSG and Juventus, are the only teams, I think, this season or this calendar year that haven't conceded more than two goals of the, of the top team. It's another and, statistic that's worth observing. Yeah, yeah we've got the stingiest defence, but also we haven't conceded more than two goals a game. 
yeah. So other than well, obviously we, we lost to um, to United on the opening day, but Leicester beat us one 0 narrowly. Newcastle two one, um, and then I think it was two all against Stoke. Yep. Uh, I can't. I don't recall any other matches where we. No. Even in Europa, when when we lost to, lost to Andalus and and in the Capital One Cup when we lost to Woolwich again, narrow narrow defeats. Yep. So yeah, um, yeah. It's been a season it, of margins. Margin it has, margins. and they could be crucial. But you're saying so. Up. You're saying two 0 on Valentine's Day out, up at the the, the the plastic arena. Uh, yep. <laughs> obviously, the old cliche is there, but they're they're wounded, a cornered wounded animal with very big gold watches. But um, I. T- oh. Oh, I think I think we we should win. We could win, and we can win. I think it will probably be a draw. Mm. Yeah. You know. Would you? But before I come to Mickey, would you? Would you? Would either of you take a draw? I, obviously, obviously, we, we all want the win. But if we came away with a draw at the end of it, would I that would, be a bad result? Because I don't think it would be. No. I think it'd be worse, worse for them than for us. Yeah, I, oh, well, I don't. It would, so go on, go on, Nikki, go on. Sorry, I don't think it would be a bad result to have a draw. I, you know, obviously we want to win, but if we did walk away with a draw, um, we're still undefeated, and that's okay. But um, and we'll still be above, above City. Exactly. So, so look, I I must agree. I think I think that um, I'm also thinking maybe a one 0 win or a two 0 win. Um, hey, we beat them at we, home. We so why the hell? Beat them, yeah. Absolutely, and and our waveform is damn fine. So why won't we go up there and get a result? There is, I mean, there is the theory that um, the wheels could come off for them. You know, Pellegrini knows he's on his way out. Um, the team have just been cuffed, um, and they, they, we might be able to um, enjoy that. But this is the magic of football. We don't know. We don't know. Mm. We don't know how it how it's going. You, and again, it's the old cliche. You say, you know, would you be happy with a draw before the game? You know, well, sometimes we say before a game. You know, like the last old, uh, the last um, North London derby before the game, we would have said we'd been happy with a draw. By the end of the game, it felt like a loss. It felt like a loss yeah. because we should have had them. We should have had them. We should have sent them home um, you know, humiliated because we, we had them. We had them by the scruff mm. of the neck. And if it's one of those performances at Man City, if, if, they, if we draw because we let our concentration slip, I won't be devastated. I won't be devastated. But because actually I know the way this team work now is that they almost immediately want to put it right. Mm. Um, and the other thing as well, <clears throat> we were trying to talk, trying to capture the essence of what it's been like to follow Spurs this season, particularly this season. In the past, you know, we're nervous and worried about losing because you know we, we, we think we're going to throw it away. That the quality of what's happening in our minds and our hearts this season is we're nervous about losing because we lose ground in potentially winning the league. Yeah, we can't yeah. afford to lose games. And it's, it is, it, I think what's happening is it's a new experience for us all. There's not many of us in our community you know, who were around in 61. And what's happening to us is we're discovering, we're discovering what it's like to be a fan of a, of, of a good team. Uh, and it's, it's a different, you know, I used to watch with envy, you know, teams like Manchester United in the 90s. You know, they would just you know, steamroll everyone and win everything. I used to think it must be boring. It's not actually. It's not actually being this good. It's not boring. Because you're worried about losing because you have to win every game. It's a different kind of mm. pressure we're experiencing as a fan. I'm loving it. it it's quite... Uh, 
um, you know, particularly with away games, when I go to places like Norwich and Southampton, and you're on a train or you go into the city centre and you see lots of red or yeah. yellow or whatever it may be, and I, and I look at their fans and I think, shit, they're at home, right? They're at home. <laughs> I'd hate to be in their position because we're going to come here and... <coughs> Without wanting to sound arrogant, we're gonna we're gonna go there and we're gonna win. Yep. They're 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 gonna turn up. It's their home ground. They're gonna be there in however many thousands, and they're gonna be feeling disappointed. And 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 I and I just feel every match we can win. Obviously, I respect as, as Nicky you always say, you don't know who's gonna anybody on their day can be anybody. Mm. The league's that good, you know, bar maybe an Aston Villa or a Sunderland. Who but even? <laughs> Even some of the some of the lesser teams can 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 cause you cause you trouble, but I don't fear anybody. No, and I think I think City next week, particularly away from home, I fancy us to win that two nil. Um, Nicky, predictions as in scoreline? Yeah, yeah, I'm going with you in a two two nil. Two nil. Mm. Okay. Wow. Look at this. I'm the one. Right. I'm the one shouting all the positivity when it comes to the predictions. <laughs> <laughs> draw, draw. <laughs> get, off, get off that fence. Right. Let, let's it is, it's let's quite just saw. <laughs> let's finish off with some questions really going to go through this really really quickly okay so Zach Gasnola asks would you be happy with the league finishing in the current positions i.e. would you take second Champions League and finishing above the Goons or gamble on overhauling five points on Leicester there's no gamble to be had push for it push for it see what happens you don't get yep, to be stage I... of the season and settle for second Absolutely. you don't get to the last straight of a, of a race and think oh I'll relax now and let the other guy win no no, we're, 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 we're in it to win it yep. and that's what, that's what we want to do to dare us to do Nikki. yeah what what Merrick said okay next question I did say we're going to go through these quickly <laughs> um, uh, Tor Toma and by the way Tor wrote a, a, an article for us on Moussa Dembele yeah it was a good one I read that one um, which, which, we, which we published earlier in the week and he's got a few more articles in the pipeline he's got one on Pochettino which um, I'm looking. I say I'm looking. I'm not looking at Nikki because she's um, <laughs> sat million, miles away in, in, in Johannesburg. But when are we likely to publish that? We're probably going to publish Precious. it uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'll probably put it up. Okay. Um, but, you know, just a quick mention to her. Thank you so much for the articles that you're writing for us. We do appreciate them. He He's sort of on a, on a writing binge at the moment. So I'm lapping it up and we'll probably get an article a week out of him, which is fabulous. So thank you. And... There should also be an incentive there for any other budding writers. If, uh, we, you know, we've had people in the past write for, write for the Tom Motsma family Facebook, sorry, family <laughs> podcast <laughs> web page. Um, He's getting his nails confused. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that should that, that hopefully should be an incentive. Anybody, if there are any budding writers that are passionate about Spurs, um, then you know, just 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 get in touch with us. Um, so, what was the question? What's the question? It's all Toma, hypothetically, um, or maybe, quickly, if, or maybe not. If we if we finish top four, would you take Bale back at Spurs? And how do you how do you think he'd fare in the current uh, side? I'm going to come to you, Nikki. I think you're going to say no, aren't you? No, 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 no. We had this question in the Tottenham Hotspur family uh, group a few weeks yeah. ago, and I remember saying, absolutely not. Don't want him back. He broke my heart. Fuck him. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> really, I mean, you know, women scorned and all those good things. 
However, somebody actually made a really, really, and I still said, I don't know if he'll even fit into Pochettino's style of play. And I don't want him coming in and upsetting the equilibrium that we've got going at the moment. But I, and I forget who mentioned it or who said it, but somebody still said. And it's, it can't have been very important if you forgot who they were. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. But their, their, their point was clearly important. I've, I've got but, a feeling but, it could be a, a Zach Nola. Zach? Um but I'm not he's sure. Not, he's not important. Hey, I love my Zach Nola. Don't you go, don't you start. Anyway, I think it was Zach who said that he's just, he's the kind of player that would probably fit in anywhere because he is class. And as much as it pains me because he did break my heart, he is just, he's a top, top class player. So if he did, and not that, that it would ever happen, if he did come back, it would be amazing. But I think that we've just got so many class quality players ourselves. We don't need to speculate and dream and think, oh, if Bale came back, we don't need that anymore. Because actually, you know, who we've got is just okay. We've got the but, best. But would you take him back? <laughs> I understand. I understand all of that. I understand all of that. That's fine. We we don't need him. We're not we're not in a position where we were when we sold him and we were yearning for. Can the witness just answer the player. question? <laughs> but would you would you take him back? Oh God, would would I take him back? Yeah, I'll give him a second chance. But if he, you know, he's got cute puppy eyes. He's looking at you and. Look, I would give him another chance because you know. Um, life's all about second chances. However, if he goes to someone like Man United, you'd cut his bollocks off. It's it's over. <laughs> it really yeah. is over. Well, you see, you see, Gareth Bale. Oh, Gareth Bale. Um, first thing, first thing first. In a kind of fighting cock s comment, he'd have to cut his hair first. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Think. I wouldn't let him back through the gates with that hair. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah. Secondly, he'll have to go on a Ronaldo detox. He'll have to get rid of all his Real Madrid uh, pretensions. Uh, my my instinctive re- answer to the question is very, is very simple. It is, um, I would like to see us in a position where he wants to come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have the choice. I don't. I, I like the fact that the the contract seems to have his clause. We're never going to be able to meet his wage demands. We wouldn't be able to do it anyway. It would cause disharmony, and I think Pochettino would probably say no to having a player on 150 grand a week compared to everybody else. Um, but I would like to be in a situation where instead of Gareth Bale sort of you know simpering in an interview, oh yeah, I'd a nice time at Tottenham maybe one day. Uh, no, I'd like him to say I'm. I'm utterly enamoured with what's going on there and, you know, when you play football you want to play at the best level and Tottenham is at a high level. Mm. I want to hear him say, let me come back. Uh, <laughs> I think it, you're, you're right, I think I mean, we, we've got, got to be in a position where he wants to come back. Also, it's nice to be in a position where we don't necessarily need to have him back. Exactly. We, um, and then ultimately, just gonna, for me, the wages thing I'm not too worried about because I've read various things that um, the wages might be subsidised or paid half by uh, sponsors or, or other sort of commercial deals. But um, I'm sure I'm sure if there's a will they'll, they'll find a way around it. Ultimately, though, it comes down to Poch, and if Poch if Poch wants him back, and I go here it is. If it's if Poch wants um, Bale or somebody else in the team, then I, I trust Poch. Um, that... I also think that he's of a certain age. He's not too old. He's no. still 
fairly youngish, and Poch could actually take take his game to another le- level because I think although he's done a good job at Real Madrid, I don't think his career has no, progressed. Do you know what, Javad? I totally agree with it, and I had yeah. I've had some quite heated conversations with Real Madrid fans. They are a special breed, Real Madrid fans. If you think you know Manchester United or Chelsea fans can be arrogant and petulant, whoa, they're quite extraordinary. Um, and I have said to them, you know, before in, in the summer when the, the transfer was building, and I said, um, I think you probably will get his, you get your man. I think it will be a great shame, not for Tottenham so much, but actually for him. I think his career will stagnate. In the end, you know, um, I think you're right. He's tailed off, and he's kind of he hasn't progressed to the next level. Uh, he hasn't because he hasn't been given freedom to do what what he is capable of doing uh, because because of the ego of Ronaldo it's simple mm. as that now if we are in a situation where and again there's a lot of egos in Real Madrid there's a lot of egos involved but if imagine yeah imagine this the scenario we win uh, we win a trophy maybe we win the league maybe we win the FA Cup so let's say we win a double it's still on and Real Madrid uh, don't win the Champions League and finish third in the league suddenly you know, um, he might be looking back home and going, I wasn't too bad over there, was it? They all loved me. Mm. I got <laughs> to do to do. Um, and it is galling, just another front. It's, it's galling watching with that, that couple of seasons ago when they won the Champions League and I felt so sorry for Atletico Madrid in that game. Um, even though I don't like Diego Simeone. Another story again. But watching Modric and Bale in white walking around oh. round, I with know. that big cup, just going, oh, you, oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, we, in the, yeah, so uh, do we need him? We want him to come back. It's not that we want him back. We want him to come back. We want to be in a position where we've created something or Potch has created something where Bale is looking over with envious eyes. Yeah, I like and, that. And yeah, I and we're like heading in the right, right. We're heading in the right direction to to, to achieve to, to be in that position. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, final three questions, and one of which we've we've touched on, but we'll come to that one in a minute. We'll end on that one. Um, at Spurs, Heiku asks if Kane got a knock, can we switch to four four two with Chadley and Son up front? Um, I would to that I would answer that. Pochettino doesn't tend to play four four two. It's either four two three one or he, he's played four three three. Variations of at Southampton. Um, he plays strange Chadley. variations of defence, where he can play a three with a sort yeah. of two sat in front, and then a two wing backs on a on a on a shuttling basis as well. Um, I was so I, I know uh, you wanted to go very quickly. I was going to say something I've been dying to say out loud on the podcast um, for a while. Yep. Son. I think he flatters to deceive, you know. And I know I've got a great track record of, you know, my, my footballing wisdom pointing out Eric Dyer as a defensive midfielder and all that kind of jazz. But, you know, I hope he proves me wrong. I think Sun is like an impact sub whose impact lasts in just the way I watched the game for about five minutes. You know, he does he runs with the ball, he's very determined, he puts his head down, he really goes for it. But I'm still I'm still struggling to see him settle into a team environment in that way I think he might be potentially might be quite good as a backup for Kane as a standalone one up front striker because then his job is very simple aim for the goal Chadley can do it as well we know but he can but he can blow cold yeah he blows hot and cold Chadley he um he has these he has these moments when he's on form he's untouchable but mm-hmm. uh but he's not consistent 
you know, like like yesterday, he was he had a very quiet game. Yeah. Very quiet. Which, which, which I forgive him because, you know, he came back from injury and, and he was putting in goals for fun, which was nice. You know, you've no two of them mm. in Colchester. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm still, I don't dislike Son. I, I like his, he's very industrious. I like his enthusiasm. I, I, I like his pace. I like his desire. But I don't know, I don't know what it is. So he reminds me a little bit of Andros Townsend. Head down, charge, rather than uh, a lot more linking up. I'm sure there's lots of people up there who tell me that I'm blind and I'm not seeing it and whatever. But um, possibly rather yeah. than a four-four-two, someone like Son or Chadley as a standalone up top it means we don't have to change the system around too much. Well, Chadley still to fulfil that role. I felt against Colchester. I know that Kane was on the on the same um, started the same match, yeah. but I felt that Chadley he scored two goals and he seemed to be occupying um, a lot of central positions. And yes, it was Colchester, but. He still has to do a job. But this is, this uh, is interesting because, you know, back in the day, back in the day, I used to watch Robbie Keane. And Robbie Keane was really, really good at putting a cross into the box for Robbie Keane to get. Yeah, it was like Robbie Keane would go out wide, put the, box in, put the ball into the box, and there was nobody there to pick it up. It was like he was passing to himself. Harry Kane does that, goes out wide, and we've seen he puts in some very good balls. And so yeah, Harry Kane's... Um, talent isn't just about finding the goal Harry Kane you know, for example as we said can invert can drop back can go wide and more often than not whenever he does that he takes a player with him and and so uh, you know uh, there is that answer there I think that's what Sun does I think Sun's runs mean that players run with him and open up the space I just think he needs to be quicker with that ball into the space that he's created does that make sense yeah, yeah. I think with, with, I think I think with Sun I sort of see where you're going in the sense that uh, flashes the CV. That, 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 that there are he shows flashes mm-hmm. of, of his skill. He maybe doesn't do it on a consistent basis, but I'm, I'm not at the moment. I'm not too concerned about that. I think it's just first season syndrome, and there was a period where he was injured. So I, I think he'll come good. Um, more of a worry, and I don't think it's a worry, but more would be Clinton Najee, who I don't think has made a big impact prior to when he got injured but again these are players that have just we've just signed this season it's going to take a while for them to settle in one's injured at the moment one of them had an injury before so I think they'll, they'll come good uh, just coming back to the question itself look if Kane gets injured we all know we don't have a recognised striker so it will be Chadley or Son or whoever up front um that's that's just the way it is, and we're just going to have to get on with that. I don't think we'll switch to four four two though. No, I, think I don't it, think so. The way the formations are, you know, I think it'll either be a four four three three or a four two three one, and the formations are quite fluid and players interchanging. So I don't see uh, see us reverting to four four two, which is a bit more rigid. Mm. Okay, last two questions. Paul Esau asks, "Does size matter?" No, he doesn't. He <laughs> says um, recently he's, it, he he alludes to that. So I, I don't know, Paul, are you trying to? Trying to tell us something. Um, recently, I heard on a radio phone-in that Arsenal and Man City fans would like to go back to Highbury Library and Main Road, respectively, for the for the perspective of having a better atmosphere and being close to the pitch. Um, no one moaned about not being able to fill the new stadiums. Remarkable. So my <laughs> question is: Is this? My question is. It's bigger always better. So, yeah, does size matter? And Paul's own belief is that being closer to the action makes for a better atmosphere and the, and the players feed off it too. Um, 
so I mean, we're going to have a bigger stadium, and by all accounts, it's going to have this single tier cop, which is going to be the biggest biggest um, cop type stand in in Europe. Um, and it's it's I'm sure with any new stadium, they're always going to build it with as as an improvement on previous new stadiums, which used to be new. And I'm sure it's going to be close to the pitch and and, and all of that. And I know that. The Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust work closely with the club just to ensure that the atmosphere that we have at White Hart Lane, I know it's not always great, but it can be. When it's rocking, it can be something special, and it's quite intimate and close to the pitch. They're trying to work with the club to, to, for that to come across. But the only thing is, I don't, I don't think that, that the size matters. The only concern is, can you fill that new stadium? Yes, if prices are competitive, Um but I suppose you're also going to end up filling it with, uh, dare I say, a lot of plastic fans and tourist fans. Just to, just to pop in there for a second, you see, if prices are competitive, I think that's a bit of a misnomer when it comes to football. You know, you don't sit there on a Saturday morning and say, oh, Arsenal's £65 and Tottenham's £55. I'll go see Tottenham today. Um, it, the, the prices, comp- prices, it's not like the prices are competitive, it's if they're fair. If the prices are fair... <laughs> Fair was the word I was looking for. And, and yeah. you know, the, the, the talk of the Emirates is they is they clear uh, a million in in brought in money for every home game, don't they? So even if they don't fill the stadium, it, it's it's serving a purpose. But basically, it's not about size. It, it, in in the end, it's going to come down to our the fans of Tottenham Hotspur being the voice they need to be. You know, we, we've talked today about this shift towards being more positive and being more open and enjoying success. The, the atmosphere yesterday was astonishing, not because of the ground, because of the people who filled it. So if we don't fill it, if there are empty seats, the, 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 the team, have got, the club have got to be sensible and say, well, let's make sure the empty seats are at the top. Come on down, come closer, come forward. You know, um, give, give people something to sing and dance and, and shout about play the football we want to see and win games and then it all takes care of itself the reason that Arsenal and Manchester City people are moaning about not being able to fill the ground or the atmosphere not because their right. fans are absolutely wanky <laughs> yeah that's true the words right out of my mouth um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's more of a case of they're not playing particularly well at the moment either and they're fickle in that way we can be fickle ourselves but this is it in the end it's it's the dawning of a new era for Tottenham and, and I think we have an advantage over them in terms of the fact that we are building on the footprint of the previous ground. Hmm. And, We're not relocating, and that's going to make a difference. Yeah, and also, just, just regarding the atmosphere, remember that, uh, that question forum that they had with the fans and um, Daniel Levy and Pochettino and Lloris, where Daniel Levy said that they obviously speaking to a lot of people to make sure that the acoustics are right, to, yep. to ensure that they don't lose the atmosphere because it's a bigger stadium. So I think a lot of thought is going into it. And and I think, you know, we need to trust that they're going to do what it takes to make sure that we don't lose the atmosphere at White, that we've currently got at White Hart Lane. Um, obviously, I don't get to come to many games. Um, and I, and I really haven't been to any of the other places where where it's quieter as such, but uh, but I think that the Tottenham fans are passionate enough to um, to not let it impact uh, negatively. I the, think. A couple of key things that I I feel about is you know that the the Emirates and the new stadiums, the, the, the rash of new stadiums, all tend to look very similar and have a similar architect design. If you look at the Stade de Luz in, in Lisbon, it's and Wembley. 
and, and Emirates, they, uh, they have a similar design and style, and it, it's the bowl approach. And mm. I, think if, if, I think that was that was a key moment with the Tottenham development when they changed architects. So they, they were looking for something more specific. And I think it's key, you know, first of all, that there is a distinct atmosphere or ambience or look or feel to the stadium that means you can say, yeah, that's our stadium. It's not a prefabricated kit-built stadium that looks the same as multiple other ones. Mm. And secondly, secondly, that um, we fill it with stories quickly. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, any new stadium is... If you think of Wembley, for instance, the old Wembley, still there, there, are such, the, the, there are absolutely, yeah, me too. There, there are lots of memories that have been created over the years. When you think of the new Wembley, which has been around what since two thousand and seven, what memories can you associate with it? You can't. Doesn't help. We haven't been there very often, it, I think. <laughs> no, but no, but just just generally, you know, whether that's England playing in there or, or my or, personal or feel on that one, and it just tell me if I'm if I'm talking out my ass here. But my personal feel on that one, in my mind's eye, old Wembley was a sun-kissed, big open pitch. New Wembley looks like it's being played under fluorescent strip lighting. Yeah, yeah, no. I Do you see what I mean? Agree totally. Uh, yeah, Wembley, yeah. yeah, Wembley was a horribly impractical place to go to, and a rickety old sort of wooden ranch, ramshackle thing. The toilets were appalling. I, I remember I've been to Wembley a couple of times, but there was, yeah, yeah, but coming up, walking up towards it, seeing those twin towers, and then when you got into the stadium, there was something different. The new Wembley just feels a bit sterile uh, and that's what we have to avoid it's not listening to the words of architecture say it's going to be like this it's just having the faith that we fill it with sound and passion and history mm. sound yeah. and passion and history the, the, the stadium takes care of itself and if and if we go into um into that new stadium as dare i say it, as champions um that's going to help as well yeah both in terms both in terms of filling the stadium but also going in there with a good with a positive vibe yep it's just, a shame. And, and, and also... it's just a shame that it does look like a big toilet seat. Oh, it does not. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What kind of toilets do you have there in Spain? <laughs> All right, I'll change your mind. A B-Day with a lid on it. <laughs> <laughs> does, um, just on, just, as long just as it's so... not a bowl. As long as it's not so... a bowl. If it has that feel of the square corners, that's what makes the difference, I feel, in that old raked English style. That British style, which is different to to the continent, it, it's it's a, a square of stands around a pitch. It doesn't feel like a bowl. I think that's where you lose a lot of the feeling. Just my gut instinct. So just just Nikki on on, on the specific question. Um, just <laughs> I know where Paul's <laughs> benefit. Does size matter? <laughs> no, it's what you what you do with it. There you have it, Paul. That's from a woman. Okay. As long as you freak the young cork, it, it's fine. <laughs> Paul's going to kill me the next time he sees me, um, which, which will be in a few weeks. Right. Final question, and we sort of touched upon this earlier, um, but let's let's again. Eddie Elsley asks, "How will people celebrate winning our treble?" <laughs> Very simply, for me, my father used to be in the navy. He, uh, when he was part of the team, tragically, unfortunately, they had to close Chatham docks. And um, he bought some of the sherry from the, um, the mess supplies. And I've got a bottle of Portuguese bottled sherry from uh, specific, specifically for the Navy. It was bottled in 1978, the year I was born. I was keeping it for some significant moment in my, my daughter's life. I will definitely uncork that if we win the treble. Okay, Mickey? Wow. Nine o'clock? 
<laughs> well, you know, I celebrate every day with wine because every day is wine. Every day great. is wine day. <laughs> every day is wine day. Um, so I'd have to do something different. Drink white. <laughs> I do drink white. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Too much, maybe, some would say. Um, I don't know, Jav. Uh, I definitely think I'd celebrate by ensuring that I was over for the first game of the season. That would be my celebration. Mm. First game next Me- season. <clears throat> yeah, but next season is going to be the last season that we we're, that were at White Hart Lane. Yeah. Um, I need to make the effort to go for next season because I, I want to be at White Hart Lane. Is that, is that definite, Jeb? That's definite. definite. That's definite. So, so and then after that, because start knocking it down. Johannesburg, well, a few of us at Johannesburg Spurs are talking about maybe coming over as a group. Um, so if we're absolutely certain we can still come over next season, that just makes it great for for us to to schedule something and start planning yeah no absolutely and next next season's going to be what, so what are we next season will be 2016-17 so that'll be the last season at white hart lane then we move into 2017-18 where we're going to be playing away from white hart lane yeah. uh undefined location at the moment and then the idea is that then 2018 we move into the new stadium assuming it's built and it's all gone to plan and whatever um how would I? I think about this question every now and then. Not so much the treble, but just just the league title. I think I think um, most of us would spend at least twenty four hours with our mouths open, agape, and uh, in a state of disbelief. I think. Yeah. You probably you probably identify Spurs fans by being sat on curbsides with a big sort of sheepish grin in their face, going. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, um, if it happens on if it happens on the last home game of the season, which is the penultimate game of the season, or if it happens on the final game of the season at Newcastle, and I aim to be at both games, um, I won't be doing the podcast after the <laughs> after the after the after the match. It will be done on the next day, um, just because I want to celebrate, and enjoy the occasion, and not worry about getting back quickly to do a podcast and also because everybody else will want to do the same. Um, and do you know, I just, I don't know where, where we, if we, if we do win the league, I don't know where we're going to go from there. It's going to exactly. be, oh, it's just, it's just, It'll be like a, it's really think, difficult to comprehend. Think of it not as a celebration party. Think of it as a launch party. Ah, oh, I love you. <laughs> America, I love you. <laughs> Okay, Jeff, that's another little snippet, okay? You need to you need to I, add to my little my little private pod of, of Merrick's little pearls of wisdom. I love it. <laughs> there is, there is, there is, thank you very much, Nick. Um yeah, I, I do prepare. Uh, I I um there are two things I can compare it to. There are two things I can, I've experienced in my life in terms of football celebration moments that I can compare it to. Uh, brace yourself. Um, I was, as I say, I was living in Liverpool when they won the Champions League uh, in Inst- Istanbul, and um, the city spontaneously poured out onto the streets, and it was an extraordinary feeling. It was a wonderful sensation of just it, the nature of that game itself. It was just a wonderful experience of the whole city, even the Everton fans just going, "Wow, we'll drink to that." Mm. And, a, and, and, the, and the and when they came back on the bus, it was it was a great couple of days. That the, the sun was shining, and the whole city was just reveling in this awesome drama and this story and the other the other time was a, a few seasons back uh real zaragoza survived relegation from the, la liga uh in the second half of the seat the first half of the season they had the worst form in europe the second half of the season they were the best form team in europe and they achieved the absolute mission impossible escape and it was on the very last day of the season 
And the same thing happened. You know, people who weren't interested in football started watching football at the football matches, watching for the results. I did gigs wearing the for Zaragoza shirt, and it, the whole city just spilled out onto the streets, and everybody was just smiling and happy. You know, I've been in Spain for Spain winning stuff as well, and I didn't really experience that very much. Didn't like it, but <laughs> but, those, <laughs> but I think that's you know, I would I would recommend because I'm not going to be able to share in that if it was to happen. I would say a bit like advice to people getting married, you know, don't get carried away. Take it all in. You know, mm. don't forget those little moments. Watch, you know, watch, watch people on the street. Watch the granddads crying and the kids smiling because they will be the memories that will stay with you. They will. Don't get too, don't get too pissed on the wedding night. Otherwise, you won't, won't be able to perform. <laughs> um, size won't be an issue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um... Okay, oh, it's so been a pleasure. Are we still recording? <laughs> we're, we're still, we still are recording. Right, so Wednesday, just 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 to wrap up Wednesday, um, I'm going down Hotspur Way with with Bex. We're interviewing the Spurs ladies. Um, for a podcast in the middle of the week. Following from that, probably go out Thursday morning. Uh, then next Sunday, um, Nikki's hosting the podcast. It'll be a all Spurs, uh, all ladies podcast. Um, herself, Bex, and Carol on that one. Um, and that just leaves me to say thank you Merrick for joining us not a problem um, it was a pleasure it's been great um, Nikki thank you as ever thank you um, we are fucking second <laughs> in the table yes um, the future's bright the future's lily white good night in the dirt. Now gather around and sing it out and we'll talk out all the hurt.